on me, Steph. <laughs> For those who don't know what that was in reference to, I said we're just about to talk about our favourite man, uh, Jose Mourinho, to which Milo said, you can't be talking about me. I wasn't. You're my second favourite man to Jose. Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight, I'm sure you picked up, are Milo and Ram. Hello. Hi, Steph. Hello, mate. Uh, with the start of the season less than a week away, the selection of Roma for our final pre-season game on Saturday night in Israel threw up many pre-match thoughts, especially for Ram, who was shaking in his boots at the thought of the overly accurate silk of David Bentley in that Roma pre-season friendly, right, mate? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the, one un- the one under one day. Uh, and also, look, the fact we were facing our very own mismanager. Jose Mourinho, who, by the way, increasingly looks like he should have been sitting outside Satriali's pork store sipping espressos with Tony Soprano. He looks like an old, an, an old like mobster to me these days. But there was also the crispy rivalry between Antonio Conte and Mourinho. And there is a dinner I'd like to be at so as I could see who passes the peas to who. Uh, and I would be remiss if I did not say that both Milo Aram have their eyes on me with regards to staying in the pocket with regards to Jose Mourinho, so I'm going to try and behave myself as we look back at the clash which was played in Haifa, Israel. Uh, I can't promise that I won't have a few cutie star reducers on the man uh, <laughs> in the next <laughs> hour or so. We will also be looking back at the week that was, and we will continue our review of the transfer news and gossip. Um, but let's start by looking back at the week that was. So Milo, kick us off, mate. Uh, let's take a minute to celebrate England winning the Euros. They've had a fantastic tournament, played some wonderful football, and it's been a delight to see the country get behind them and see people get into women's football and recognise how good it is. I really hope that what we're, you know, the enthusiasm we've seen over the last couple of weeks we see kind of flow over into the domestic women's game and, uh, more importantly, more people going to watch Spurs women. Our women's team have been just as busy as the men in the transfer market this summer with six new signings arriving so far. So Amy Turner, Ramona Petzelberger, Ellie Brazil, Drew Spence, uh, Nicola Karczowska and Angerard James bring quality and depth to help us push on. The club's also confirmed this week that our opening fixture of the season against Manchester United will be played at White Hart Lane on Saturday the 10th of September. So there's a new women's Spurs podcast N17 Women that was started last month um, and they've done four episodes so far and it's really good and I'd really like to encourage people to give it a listen because it does a far better job of talking about the women's game than we could and it's a really really good way of finding out about the women's team and the new players we're signing and also you know how we did last year if you're not familiar with it it's a really good way of learning about it so I'd really encourage you to give a listen but I think most of all I think it's been fucking fantastic this last month and it's been really enjoyable watching the team both watching the game tonight weren't you oh yeah 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 i mean that those scenes at the end were absolutely sensational and uh you know that it's just it's iconic it's iconic mm. and i had i had my um my uh almost seventh month old with me and we, we make a habit of not let allowing him to watch the screen at the moment but i said to my other half i was like can we just let him watch this bit you know when uh <laughs> when they lifted the trophy because i can say to him you know you 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 watch them the england women's team mm. lift the european trophy you know and and i i, I just think the lionesses they made history tonight then they've inspired a multitude of young people of of any gender to dare to dream. Alex Scott said after the game, um, she was saying that, you know, when, when she was playing, they were begging football grounds to house their right. games mm. and sponsorship to bring in revenue. And they were told no. So today's a vindication for all that right. incredible hard work. Yeah. And a mention 
for Jill Scott, who played her 161st game for England today. Think about that. I mean, what an incredible thing. And the, the, the span, as you've just said, that you've gone through to get to this moment. I mean, the journey that you've made has been enormous. And so I really did think uh, uh, for her, especially, it must have been a very emotional moment. I just want to say as well, that ball from Kira Walsh uh, to to Ella Toon for what I think is one of the best finishes that the the new Wembley has seen, well, new old Wembley. I mean, have you seen many better finishes than that? I I think think the thing about that is to do that chip... With the adrenaline going through your body, it'd be so easy to overplay that control yeah. to be able to do that. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, mm. And Jill Scott obviously got um, kind of quote of the night with fuck off, you fucking prick, <laughs> um, yes. which is kind of the inspirational quote for a generation, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Really, really good stuff. So. Gentle Ben Davis has signed a contract extension, keeping it with the club until 2025. Can I just ask someone, where does that nickname come from? I say it all the time. I read it. Gentle Ben. Where does Gentle Ben come from? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The bear, isn't it? It was a kids' TV program about a boy who had a friendly bear pet. Think think of kind of like Lassie or uh, Skippy or (laughs) something like that, but with a bear. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. And and also the fact that Bear makes me think of some of those thunderous interceptive challenges that he was putting in in the final few games of the season nice. uh, last season. But anyway, the, the point being, he has signed a contract keeping him at the club until 2025. Um, ben joined us from Swansea in 2014. So if he sees through his new contract, he will have spent 11 years at the club. And look, we would all agree he was one of the most improved players under Antonio uh, and was instrumental in us qualifying for the Champions League. Uh, started 34 of 36 matches after Antonio's arrival in November, including 26 of 27 Premier League games. It is excellent news, is it not, gentlemen? Yep. Really excellent news. I think, like, I'm really glad he's getting the recognition he's always deserved. You know, it's, it's come a bit late, but he's he's actually one of my favourite players in our squad. And, and he, he's done that in a very gentle Ben way. Like, I didn't, uh, when I actually, th- I had to think about it and I went, oh, he's actually one of my favourite players. Um, and, um, and he deserves this new contract. He's still a good age too. So there's plenty left in yeah. the tank. You know, I think he's 29. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, still a lot more to come from him. Yeah. No, he's been fantastic since Conte came in and I'm really, really pleased. You know, it's clearly a position we've targeted this summer, but I don't think that was to replace him. I think that's about mm-hmm. having a stronger squad and whoever, you know, had come in or, you know, with, um, uh, long lay in, uh, he's still got a really, really important role to play and, you know, I wouldn't rule out him, but, you know, playing you know, as many games as anyone else will be bringing in defence mm. this, this summer. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, very good. Another player who signed a contract extension until 2025 is Troy Parrott, who, having signed his extension, was putting pen to paper on a deal to spend the season on loan at Preston North End. Dane Scarlett has followed Troy out the door, temporarily, joining Portsmouth on loan for the 2022-23 season. What do we think? Are these good moves? Well, I think that Troy Parrott uh, did a fine job listening to you on the Games About Glory last weekend when he suggested, because all of his mates are up at Preston, that he probably uh, would be better off going off uh, you know, to Preston. So uh, well, good ears there, Troy. Glad that you listened to us. So yeah, it's <laughs> seriously, it's a good move for him because uh, he's got some of his teammates around there from the, from the Irish squad, as you pointed out uh, last week, mate. So Re- Yeah, 
really good moves there and again they're both they're both at really good ages to go out and get that that experience mm. and come back and really you know uh push for uh, getting into the squad on a, on a regular basis you know and and they and they've got time they've still got time on their side it feels like they're older than they actually are because they've been in and around the squad for quite a while mm. um uh but yeah this is great it's just it's like you know i i always from recent history i always think of oliver skip going to norwich or or harry even um you know a couple of loans that he went on and yeah. came back and and yeah. it really helped us yeah, I saw that. Um, so Parrot started for uh, Preston yesterday and played seventy odd minutes, and Scarlett came on as a sub for for Portsmouth. So it's good to see they're already getting minutes. And I think Preston is a, is an interesting fit for for uh, Parrot. They play three four one two, so he'll be playing in a uh, you know with a strike partner, but he'll be playing as a number nine. Um, but also with a three man defence, it feels like you know a reasonably similar set up to we've got i think they're quite they're quite attacking preston as well so it'll be interesting uh an interesting loan for him and i think certainly from you know what we saw towards the end of last season and the you know the few minutes he got in pre-season he's ready for it isn't he yeah. and i think one thing about portsmouth for scarlet i think danny cowley is a really good manager when it comes to, to to younger kids he really knows how to, to work with them and encourage them and, and really be a good nurturing he's a really good nurturing mm. manager so and he's spoken very highly of of scarlet's talent and actually spoke quite reverentially about him saying you know we're really lucky to have a player of this ability come to our club which is a really great start when you're looking mm. to develop a youngster mm. so yeah it's 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 a sound move for both and i'm really excited to see uh how they look uh in the next preseason. <laughs> it'll be fun to see i'm looking forward to hijacking their player of the match votes this season and voting for dane and uh, and troy parrot in every single game and fucking them up fucking them up like we did oliver skip when he was at norwich well in fairness Oliver Skip was Norwich's best player, wasn't it? I think that it might have been Poopy. thirty odd thousand Spurs fans voting every single time they put, put a poll out. So oh, okay. he had a good season, but I think we might have um might there might have been a bit so. of gerrymandering going on. <laughs> Who's Jerry? Is Jerry Mandering? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. I thought you were talking. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about a, a progressive midfield player. Yeah, anyway, Jerry Mandering. Jerry Mandering. I saw yeah. the cogs turning, Steph, but you just yeah, couldn't. they're really yeah. slow yeah. and crap, and they need they need they need some proper greasing. So I'll just move on to academy coaches. It's better we move through and get past my shitty cogs. Um, Jermaine Defoe and Yaya Toure are taking up permanent positions in our academy coaching setup, which is actually. Uh, just to say, a very exciting thought. Toure's been handed a full-time position after joining up with us in December uh, whilst he did his badges, and Jermaine is expected to take up his first coaching role next month. And they are set to be handed charge of their own age group teams as part of a rejigged academy staff. Uh, former Manchester City and Anderlecht coach Simon Davies has to also taken up the role of head of methodology in the academy at Hotspur Way. A lot of progressive moves there, I think, and two fantastic players for, for the, the academy kids to learn from. Right, chaps? What do you think? Absolutely. And, you know, with Jermaine, we've waxed lyrical about him so much on this pod, rightly so. Um, he's just, he he's part of the club. He's ingrained in the club. So that's a no-brainer. I'm curious to know more about Yaya Toure and, and what he's, you know, I, I'm sure we have spoken about him before, you know, com, um, coming in. But that I don't know if that's kind of hit me a little bit by surprise that he's taken on a permanent role here. Um, but I'm very intrigued by that. Obviously, he's a great player. He was a fantastic player like one of the world's best at you know in his prime but yeah I, I'd, li I'd like to know more about that I'm sure Milo probably has more 
So my understanding is he lives you know, he lives quite close to the uh, training ground, and we gave him an opportunity while he was doing his badges, and he's enjoyed it. He's enjoyed the setup. He's enjoyed the club, and wants to hang around. But you know, as good as Defoe was, and he was a fantastic player, and obviously you know he's a club legend. Yara Toure was genuinely a world class player. Mm. And one that you know, all of those players there will have looked up to. If you can learn a fraction of what he knows, if you can pass on a little bit of that, then everyone's going to be in a better position. He's just was genuinely one of the best players in the league, if not the best yeah. player in his position. You know, yeah. and well, and, and you know, similarly worldwide. You know, just yeah, phenomenal. You, you- You've mentioned the P word twice. I mean, quite literally, if you can learn about his positional sense on a football pitch, you'll be halfway uh, further than you were before. He's he was a wonderful player and uh, and and such a presence. And you know, Manchester City wouldn't be where they are without him. Mm. There's no two ways about mm. it. Uh, and let's hope that he can pass on that that great experience uh, yeah. to, to to some of our some of our kids. I mean, very progressive. I love seeing yeah. uh, really good ex pros get jobs and it's really nice when you see uh someone from another team who is yeah. also a legend coming to our youth mm. setup it tells you something about what we're doing yeah, yeah. that we're able to attract a talent like that to come and work with us I, i'd assume that simon davis and him know each other from man city because yeah. simon davis was a was a coach there and uh, you know he was working with vincent company who yeah. obviously you know yara Torre played with um yeah and elect so yeah I'd, I'd assume that they know each other so that's quite interesting mm. and um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see a bit more about kind of Davis's role because I think part of that is linking the academy to the first team and trying to see that uh, kind of progression of players coming through. Um, so again, I would assume part of that is also trying to work out loan deals for some of the younger players. So it'll be interesting to see how his role develops. Feels like our um, our strategy uh, on the pitch is matching. You know, now our off the pitch strategy is matching it as well. We're just signing these. This right. top talent. You well, know? <laughs> we're finally understanding that your head bone's connected to your neck bone, connected yeah. to your hip, connected yeah. to your leg, which I think was a, a metaphor I made last week that got edited out. Know, but I'm determined out, to yeah. get it into one of them. <laughs> well, I got it in now, so don't worry, it's there. But it makes more sense this week. It actually does make more sense this well, week because you're talking last about... Week, that's why I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that's why Milo rolled... I, I, I was wondering why Milo rolled his eyes when he started saying that. <laughs> he rolls his eyes whenever I open my mouth, Ram. Haven't you noticed that? Please, yeah, goodness yeah. gracious. You got to do, but he was twitching a little bit as I did it this time, so that was the giveaway. I think what happened last week, Steph, is you started on that and then you morphed into them bones, them bones, them dry bones, and I couldn't quite work out where you were going <laughs> <Probably>. with it. <laughs> That sounds about right. All I needed to do was quote a Boney M song and we'd have been off to the races in a way that we really had no business going. I agree. But anyway, you make the point, Ram, very truly that, uh, that yeah, we're becoming a much more cohesive, holistic club. Uh, and it can only be good for, for, I mean, everything seems to be in tune with everything else, which is fantastic. And this is off the back of Paratici's review of how the club is set up. You know, he's yes. looked at this, you know, it's him and Hitchin doing this review together. And yeah. that's what's seen... Um, you know, the new, the other directors coming in and part of, you know, kind of building Paratici's team. And obviously part of that is the academy. And, you know, we talked last week about losing players from the academy to, to other clubs. Um, and, you know, in the past, we've talked a lot about the issues we had with, you know, players not being able to come through to the academy to the first team because they were denied opportunities or they weren't getting loans and what have you. And hopefully this, you know, having more expertise within the club and more people, you know, working on these things and, and you know, means that we're, you know, just more professional top to bottom 
Yeah. My memory tells me that I always believed that Paratici was the right appointment and was the answer. <laughs> for those, we were just talking about how memory can work very strangely for you. Uh, <laughs> and this would be an example because regular listeners will remember, and probably even from our recent Paratici review, that I did say, you know, the jury's out. I don't really trust him. And here I am now. I got two Paratici flags and a Paratici scarf because, as you said, <laughs> milo i mean he is behind a lot of this stuff yeah and it feels like we're kind of setting ourselves up for the future and if he moves on mm. there's there's a structure in place that can survive the people who yes. are currently here and i think yeah whereas in the past i think we've kind of been over dependent on one or two people and every time one of those mm. people leaves it's a kind of big overhaul and we you know yeah. we have to have a reset yeah and hopefully we're kind of moving beyond that yeah yeah we can't always rely on pleaty coming in to steady the ship <laughs> Oh my word, we did. It used to be the SOS call, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get Pleaty. I mean, and fair play to him. He always yeah, showed yeah. up as well. God love he him. Did. I'm sure he probably sat there and thought, fucking hell, again? I'm just trying to fucking have a, a quiet night by the fire, reading a book or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he gets another call. Can yeah. you help? All right. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Harry's hanging out the back of his car. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Bye-bye, those days. Thank you, Fabio. <laughs> we will be able to stand at Champions League games at the lane this season. UEFA have confirmed that safe standing areas will be trialled in European club competitions this season for stadiums in England, Germany and France. The move, described as an observer programme, could lead to UEFA ending its ban on standing, which has been in place since 1988. Um, so the trial will cover Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, uh, but not the finals in those competitions, nor <laughs> international matches. I'm sorry. What a bunch of tossers. You're going to go an entire season being able to stand at Champions League games. And then when the final comes, they're going to tell you to sit down. Rubbish. I don't know where the final's been held. I don't know whether it's a, if it's not an English, German or French ground, then it wouldn't be. I'm not, and I'd assume they're not going to be giving it to France again in a hurry. And probably not us after last summer. So I think it's in Istanbul, is it not? I think this. Well, I think oh, the final is Istanbul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see Alexandra Seferin or whatever try and tell people to sit down, like, like they used welcome. to at the lane. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> They're brilliant. Sit down. 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 The steward. Yeah, yeah. The stand just up if you hate the stand, stand up. That's my favourite. You'd see two or three guys with their arms out. If you can picture, if you can picture this, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, and they'd be like putting their arms down, and then everyone would be making the prayer motion back. Yeah, like, yeah we're all we're all down, and like bowing to them. Everyone bowing, like thousands of people bowing to these poor bewildered stewards who are getting more frustrated. Brilliant. Whilst right next to you, you're seeing the the away section standing for the whole game, and no one doing anything about it. Yeah, no one doing a thing. Yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's a yeah. Look, it's a it's it's a good thing. I mean, as long as people are sensible, and uh, you know, it, it can only be a good thing. Well, and just to keep up my end of of, of a personal bargain that I've offered our listeners uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, the excitement is building on uh, the All or Nothing Amazon special, uh, the documentation of our neighbour's project, I should uh, say. And this week's trailer, oh, it produced a scene of such bizarre David Brent proportions that even that raving bellend Piers Morgan was pushed to tweet, <laughs> what have I just seen in bewilderment? He didn't have the bewilderment. He looked bewildered, I'm telling you. Uh, and the look on Ramsdale and White's faces as David Brent went further along the yellow brick road are absolutely priceless. I, I don't want to ruin it for you. you should 
should watch it. It's one of the most bizarre managerial speeches I've seen in a dressing room. I mean, it was just was, was sort of bonkers, I think. Milo, you called it out as, as, as clear Brendan Rogers territory, which I thought was, was extremely accurate because it was a full Brenton, wasn't it? I mean, it really was. Uh, the bit that I found really weird was when he finished that <laughs> speech and then just walked for the door and it was just kind of, he, he obviously thought it was a mic drop moment and he'd really got it across and then it's like right my job's done here that's <laughs> i was imagining him planning that when he did it i'm like did you actually plan he was it was like he's oh, it was it's like the scene in the office when david brent's doing the, uh, the business uh, you know the business speech you're the best <laughs> Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. Look, look, if this clip is anything to go by, then we are in for a banging tree, aren't we? I mean, and, and, and look, I am committed to keeping listeners up to speed with this. It's too good to let go. <laughs> let me stop. Let's just leave it there because it, it, it's, I think it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. I really do. And, you know, we've been there. We had our own horrible experience with that program. So well, hang on. Hang on. Okay. Mourinho, as much, uh, yeah, we've got half an hour of you laying into him coming up. <laughs> but Mourinho didn't allow the cameras into the dressing room apart from very, very short anodyne yeah. sections. And then it was like, fuck off while I lay into my players or whatever he, you know, whatever he does. He didn't allow that because he knew that he'd look like a prick if he did. You, and, you know you're and, right. He, and yeah. Mourinho, self-aware. Yeah. What Mourinho is a, a very, very, very astute bell end. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he's 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 very aware of uh, the media and how to use the yeah. media. And no, I don't think he ever does anything unintentionally. So even when you think he's being a prick, I think he he th- there's a reason for that, or he thinks he's doing it for a reason. Mm. And. I think he was very, very aware of what he could get out of all or nothing. Yeah. And yep. I think what we're seeing with the clips released so far is a less experienced manager and a less yeah. experienced media operator probably giving too much access. However, let not that naivety dampen my joy or dampen yours, because I think it's going to be a spectacular thing to witness. I mean, who knows how it's going to end up, right? <laughs> Anyway, on to transfer rumours. <laughs> it has actually been a quieter week for transfer rumours. We were just talking about this off pod. I mean, the same the same names are circulating around that we've mentioned the last couple of weeks. So we won't be getting into detail on those uh, because there is, you know, there's a focus right now on players that Antonio deems a surplus. It's a focus on moving them on. Um, you know, so the links that we're seeing, they're the same names. We're going to save your time. Uh, what we are going to tell you about is Joe Rodon. That is a rumour that seems to have surfaced and matured into uh, a reality. Uh, looks like he's going to be joining Wren on loan with an option to buy for a reported 20 million euros. Uh, he did not travel to Israel with the rest of the squad so that he could finalise the move. Uh, there was much word of a medical uh, having been taken place in the last couple of days. So we'd assume there's going to be an announcement earlier, early this week. Um, you know, just to say, Conte has actually been quoted as, uh, as talking about Rodon's World Cup as being a, maybe the straw that, you know, pushed the camel over the line, if you will. I don't like that phrase, broke the camel's back. I don't like to think of animals being hurt like that. It's a good move all round, right? I mean, he's probably not, I mean, he's not going to make it with us in the end, is he? No. So it's, it's fair play here, right? 
good business? I mean, from his point of view, I'm a bit surprised that there hasn't been a Premier League club coming for him because mm. I think he's good enough to be playing in the Premier League. And uh, 24 years old, moving to France feels like a, a, you know, a step down. And I would worry a bit about whether, you know, where his career goes from there. And I, I also think, you know, if, you, if you're joining Ren with an option to buy, he's not coming back. He's clearly not in our plans long term. Um, so yeah, I, I feel for him a bit because I think he's a good player, but he yeah. definitely needs minutes ahead of the World Cup. Definitely. Yeah, I'm surprised by the Ren, um, Ren's link as well. Like, I, I agree with you, Milo. I think he's he's definitely shown that he can play in the Premier League. Um, he's 24, so he needs he needs to be playing regularly you know and um and i i like you said milo as well like if he if there's an option to buy at the end of it then yeah it does seem that that's kind of that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be there if it was a developmental move um mm. and, I, and i'd and i'd suggest he's too old for a developmental move as well you know but um unless unless the club i just thought unless the club is has a little is playing a slight silly bug isn't with Ren and just saying, oh yeah, yeah, there might be a move, a permanent move for you after this if it all goes well. But actually, they do want him back. But I just, I mean, that's maybe going a little bit conspiratorial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a middle ground there where I can talk to you and see your point of view and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, it's the first of it's the first of several moves that we expect to happen. It's the and the, fairly. Frankly, the first of several moves that have to happen, really, I think, mm. uh, for the transfer window to continue uh, in the way it has been successfully for us. Well, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we're up to 30 players now in the first team squad. Yeah. And, mm. you know, the most we can have registered is 25. So we desperately need to start seeing players move out. Mm. There's going to be movement, that's for sure. So let's go to Israel. Let's go to Haifa and let's talk about our 1 0 defeat to Roma in the ITEC Cup. Uh, apparently Jose Mourinho having bedded in for the last uh, 40 minutes of the game and played two lines of four went off um, into the night and immediately got a tattoo of that trophy next to the other three on his arm in celebration <laughs> that's as bad as I'm going to be about him I'm, that's, I, I really am I'm not going to criticize him too much more than that although there's untrusting looks from Milo above <laughs> um, it was a hard game we'll say that um, I think it's a very useful workout my friend Johnny was over there he told me, and I think this is very important context for the discussion we're going to have, that the temperature pitch side was like it was in 2019 for the Champions League final. And we're talking like, I mean, he said it was in the 90s with no air at all, like it was next to no air. Um, so very, very heavy humidity. And I think, you know, I probably saw the Roma players' shirts were absolutely drenched. Mm. You could see a couple of them. Now we have even greater context uh, and, and knowledge of that. Um, and the other thing I think is very interesting that he observed was that there were very few travelling fans there, that the fans you were seeing, uh, all the Spurs fans, etc., you were seeing, were largely low. Local. So a lot of local fans, a lot of local love for the Spurs out there. Well, let's start with the most basic question of all chaps. Uh, how did you think we played? I thought it was our most pre-season-y of our pre-season games in that we didn't, I don't think we were quite on our A game as we were against Rangers or um, Sevilla. I thought that Roma put in a very, very Mourinho performance. You know, score from a set piece and sat back and were quite happy to soak up pressure and we found it very, very difficult to break through them, which is, you know, something that we've we've been familiar with with um teams that sit back and uh, you know, and Roma are a better side than most of the teams that sit back in the Premier League. So I wasn't kind of too surprised by that. Yeah, so it was yeah, not the most thrilling game. 
you know our worst performance of of pre-season um you know you've covered some of the mitigating factors there not entirely uh, unsurprising but a decent workout and let's face it on a di- on a different day with a different ref then we we come away from that game with at least something mm. i think i think the Mourinho factor gave the game more added spice than it maybe would have done um you know uh otherwise and i thought i actually thought like with both the roma and the severe games are both tough they're, they're, they're both quite mm-hmm. physical games and and that was good to see and it was good to see us rise to the occasion each time as well because i think it's important that we got that in pre-season you know and, and it sets us sets us up well for the season where we are going to have games like that where um where we do have to kind of match that physicality and and obviously we can we know we can um it was interesting when the commentator said towards the end of the game and said oh th- this is being played like uh the second leg of a champions league semi-final and so or something like that and it was because it was like i was a little bit on edge especially for a pre-season game and i think maybe it was the the, the kind of Mourinho factor and the fact that stuff had happened with the ref and and there was a bit of like afters going on after you know uh challenges flying in and stuff like that but um I enjoyed it. I thought I thought we did all right. I thought our second half was a lot better than the first, but mm-hmm. it was a it was a good test, and I think it was a it was it was a good run out for uh, for the team. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into. I think there's a very clear reason why the second half is better than the first, and it's not it's not a fault, by the way. It's mm. just an equation. But uh, I, what mm. I will say is, I actually thought we created a lot more chances than it might have appeared. I thought we looked a little rusty in terms of. For me, it appeared that this was the end of a mini season almost for us. That I think the fitness work we've been doing has been so intense, and then when you throw it into a game with these pitch side conditions, um, I think perhaps it was just a sign that we're just catching up with ourselves and you know credit to credit to jose he he put out a really stiff test for us and and we mm. needed that and i was really happy to see it albeit mm. i didn't enjoy it it's it's what you want i think there could have been a little yeah. less niggle i thought there was uh i thought there was some very very unfair challenges going in actually but again i suppose as a manager you want that now because you don't want anyone going into next week feeling above themselves or having had a light run out and by the way the goal we scored in the first half was onside no it wasn't uh it was to my eye and i'll tell you from someone again johnny who was in the stand who was directly in line with it he said it was onside he was directly in line about 10 rows up said he was onside the camera angle is behind so when we when we watched on tv so i rewatched the game today the camera angle is behind which makes it look like he's more he's, he's closer than he is he's well offside okay well i'm going to go with what i was told can we at least agree that the penalty was a clear penalty? There's definitely a penalty. Yeah. Um, and I thought Richarlison was unlucky when he was brought down as well. I thought and he was Sun brought was down as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, and there was a foul on Sun uh, relatively early in the first half, which I thought yeah. also probably warranted more. Mm. The Richarlison one is well called because he was brilliant. That was a brilliant piece of work by him. Mm. I think, you know, in a way... <laughs> Pre-season, the result doesn't really matter. I know I've seen a lot of people getting het up about this one and all the rest of it. Mm. It's a workout. It's about getting us ready for next week and for the season coming up. Absolutely right. So you know, the, the Kane goal, it doesn't really matter whether it's offside or not because Kane put it away really well. So mm-hmm. you know, the, mm. the Decky and, and Kane did what they needed to do. Right. And so in terms of a workout, in terms of sharpness, yep. that's fine. And, yep. you know, we don't really need to worry too much about whether it was onside or offside. It was offside. No, it's always nice to complain about the ref getting it and the linesman getting it wrong because it was clearly onside. Uh, but it's... <laughs> but the Kane 
penalty where he gets it awarded against him when he's the one who's being pulled back is just crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And actually, and again, going back to the Richarlison uh, decision, which you, which you pointed out after just a brilliant piece of skill, mm. by the way, uh, that, that was very confusing as well. So, you know, several poor decisions. So, yeah, overall, I think we're all agreed that it was a, a really good workout. You know, let's look at how the new boys did and let, let's just list them. Bissouma, Perisic, Longley, Richarlison, Forster. Just rattle down one by one, uh, starting with uh, with Bissouma. I, mean, I think I could probably make it a little bit easier in terms of... So, Richarlison doesn't feel like much of a new boy now because he was signed so early and he's played right the mm. way through. I'm kind of... I, yeah. I, I, and he settled in so quickly. Wonderful player. So in terms of the newer boys, mm. I would say that Basuma showed he's not ready yet. I think he was okay, but Benton Kerr did a lot better than him in the second half. Perisic, I think, was excellent. I think he was one of our better performers on the day and had a very good game and just showed how good he is. I thought Longley did very well in the second half. He was aggressive. He got forward well. He used the ball really well. There was a cross he put in. Uh, I think it was to Royal at the back post that Royal ballsed up, but it was a really good chance. And, you know, I could see why we brought him in. And mm. there's there's definitely something we can build on there if we can get him settled and if we can, if we can um, you know, as he gets used to the system. So I was really impressed with Longley. I really liked, I really liked what he brought in. You know, we've spoken about Richarlison uh, already. Uh, and Forster didn't have much to do, did he? I mean, I think, um, you know, when he comes on, all I'm thinking is, fucking hell, he's massive. <laughs> Big hands. Yeah. I think Longley and uh, Perisic for me were the standout yeah. players. And I, I was I was really, really impressed with Longley. I thought he, like you said, Miley slotted in really well. Um, Perisic, I think, I think I underestimated what, a, uh, not just uh, assist wise, but what a goal threat. Uh, he, mm. he had to, he had some good chances and he you know he likes to cut in and he he was he 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 he's pedigree isn't he he's a pedigree player yeah. um and he and he really he really showed that um i think Steph, you might have more to delve into with Basuma in terms of um him and uh Hoybier together in that first I half do. So I, yes. i'll start uh, you know I'll, I'll leave that to you but uh, I, I agree maybe not quite ready i don't, definitely don't see him starting the first game um yeah. and then yeah Richarlison, we've already kind of gone over that that lovely bit of skill was oh, just just beautiful and I think I mentioned a few pods back I was like I'm looking forward to those moments because I think there'll be a few of those uh, this season um, and yeah Forster massive unit big unit indeed I mean first of all with Perisic let me just say I think that <clears throat> it's going to be really interesting when uh, number one when he's playing with a left side of centre back who passes quicker than Davo does I mean Davo did another you know he did another stellar job in filling in in a role that is not his but nonetheless you can see I mean he has to control and pass he's not a natural pass he doesn't as mm. we were discussing mm. and I was discussing this with Johnny as well he doesn't let the ball run past him just play the ball first time so when we have someone there who can find Perisic quicker we're really really going to see him because uh, you know I know Milo loves a wing back that can take a man on and beat him well you have him there I mean at 33 he plays like he's 24 I mean yeah. he's got legs and pace and all of it and strength and once we realize that we have to get him the ball fast boy oh boy he's going to be something and I think actually Ryan Sessegnon's going to have once once he's up to speed I don't think he's going to start next weekend but we'll talk about that later once he's up to speed 
we have one hell of a player there and we are going to be blessed to see him. And both Longley and Davies are able to release him. They've got two options there who are more than capable of finding him. Absolutely right. And I have to say, Longley was a shock to me. Uh, I mean, Mm. I I knew that he'd had a rough uh, little bit bit of time and I always wondered about the signing. I thought, well, you know, Hugo's going to know about him. They'll obviously have talked to Hugo a little bit or he'll have offered his thoughts. And like the guy's a French international. He did sign for Barcelona. He must have something. Well, I certainly got a couple of more than a couple of glimpses of what he's going to bring to us, you know, especially as these, you know, these these left and right centre backs, him and Romero, who was also doing the same as they become more and more involved in the attacking passages of play, which they have been and seems to be something that Antonio is really keen on happening. He looks like he's going to be super productive, very exciting. Um, And as for Basuma, yes, I I agree with you. I, I but. I think there's a mitigating circumstance, and I think that mitigating circumstance is Pierre-Emile Hoybier, who I think is a penciled-in starter for Antonio Conte right now, but who I think demands of his partner time for that partner to work out exactly how to play with him. And I think Bissouma suffered a little bit from that in the first half. I noticed after the first water break, someone must have said to Bissouma, listen, mate, you can do more than be a wall pass for people here. Be you. Start to play with a little more assertion, push a little more, carry the ball a bit more. So I think he's just got to grow into it. And once he does, I think he's going to be brilliant. But I would agree with, with you. Right now, I think he's Benton Court is he's ahead of him. I, I'd have a different explanation. I think I've seen the same thing, but I think it's just getting used to Conte's system. That as well. And yep. it, you know, he asks a lot of players and I think... I think it's just going to take him, you know, a few Time. more weeks. I think that's probably yeah, probably true of most of the new players coming in. I don't mm. think, you know, we've signed some really good players. I mean, obviously, Richarlison can't play next weekend, but I don't expect too many of our new signings to start next weekend. Um, I think we'll start seeing them come into the team more as as the month goes on, and certainly um, by you know, but once we once we roll into uh, into September, I think uh, you know we'll see a lot more of them. You know, starting games regularly. Well, it's very interesting because of the players that we've mentioned who are new. I mean, if Longley did start next week, which, you know, we'll talk about that later. If he did, I would be very comfortable with that and very confident yep. based on that second yep. half. Yep. Uh, Richarlison obviously can't, but if he did, I would be very comfortable because he seems to yep. understand the system. And Perisic, if he was fitter, I think would be starting. I mean, there's no two ways mm. about it. And he seems yeah. to know the system extremely well. So there's just a couple of players we're waiting to drop in. And the central midfield is such a key position for us. It's so important because those margins, you can't get anything wrong there because of the dynamism on either side. You've got to get it right. So, And it's very important to learn it properly. And that's why we need to we're stacked there. It's good. I'd agree with that. I think... Um... I think if Davis is fit, then I think he probably starts next weekend just because of familiarity. But I don't yeah. think um, Longley didn't didn't look far off starting no. in that second half performance. And yeah, no, I agree with you on Perisic. Were you surprised and, that? by Longley uh, being Longley, so? I, I, did he surprise you? He surprised me. No, I'm not. I mean, I think um, I thought he, he was good against Rangers as well when he came on. Um, and I think Conte is very good at making things simple for defenders. I think the system makes it easy and you know we've seen you know both Davis and Dyer have had their wobbly spells you know before and have looked imperious Mm. under under Conte and and that's because he makes their job easy he gives them one thing to do 
you know, a, a clearly defined role at least. I mean, maybe oversimplifying it, saying one thing to do, but a clearly defined role, and and tells them what to get out and do. And I think that's probably exactly what Longley needs in order to refine his form and um, you know be the player he was at Sevilla before it went wrong at Barcelona. We should talk about the goal, the concession. Uh, I'm going to put forward a viewpoint which sort of goes, uh, it's congruent with what you were saying about pre-seasons um, and results. I'm never happy to concede a goal, but if we're going to concede a shit goal from a set piece, I'm happy to see it in a pre-season game where I know that our staff are going to see that detail and make sure it does not happen next weekend. Would we agree mm. with that assessment? Because it was a detail, it was, it was, it was a blown, it was, it was a blown, blown cover situation. I mean, there's, you know, there's a detail there that it was just, it was a blown. So as I said, I watched the game again today. Um, and I watched that goal about five times, just trying to see what was happening. And I would imagine that um, Vio is going to be watching it a lot more than that and then mm. getting the players in who should have been covering the late run um, and talking through. Yeah. Um, so I don't know quite what your reading of it was, Steph. I mean, I think um, the way I read it is that so Dyer follows Tammy Abrahams, who moves towards the near post. Um, Perisic is kind of the other side of Abrahams. And then... Even as uh, makes that late run in behind, the ball goes yes. over the top and he gets a clear header and no one's covering him. Yep, absolutely. Um, and um, I'm not quite sure who should have been covering that space, but I, I, I'm sure that's something that um, VO will be looking at and they'll be addressing because you know a, a set piece coach will be covering the kind of defensive side of set pieces as well as um, as well as the attacking side of them. That's pretty much what I saw. Is how you've described it, and I mean, it seemed that there was a glaring, a, a glaring issue there that will be easy to address. <laughs> I mean, I think what happened is that Mourinho put a fucking big man in there and then moved him, and then all of our defenders kind of were focused on him and were following him and left a bloody great big hole at the back for someone <laughs> to exploit. I mean, it yeah. seems like pretty basic um, yeah. uh, set piece play, and um, yeah. I, what I would say is that the tackle that Sanchez put in that gave away that corner was fucking excellent. Mm. That covering tackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And Ram, can I ask you about uh, the other notable uh, set piece of the game for me, uh, which happened in the second half, about third, 28 yards out from goal? Um, it was for us. The stage was set. Our set piece coach has been working on things. Harry and Eric are lining up over the ball. And do you want to describe what happened next and what that uh, is that a portent for something that could be improved, do you think? I think in that scenario, because <laughs> I, I, he, he came basically tried to do the same thing as he did in the previous game, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And, and it was monstrously unsuccessful. I mean, it's yeah, a long yeah, setup for it was, you. But why <laughs> yeah, is Harry um, still taking free kicks? Well, the, well, I think that's what I was kind of thinking about in my head. And I, when, I, when I was actually watched that free kick back and I thought Harry Kane can shoot, he, he, he is prolific. Um, you know, he's a prolific goal scorer. He's got, an, he's got two incredible feet. He can, you know, he, he's so good. Um, at shooting why is it with free kicks it just I guess I guess there's a you know I'm sure that statistically he wouldn't score that many free kicks at all as as would most players not score no many does. free kicks at all but no yeah but I just it's just he gets it so wrong <laughs> a lot of the time it just doesn't compute that that's the same Harry Kane that can um like pick pick a corner when he's when he's um taking a penalty or from 25 yards out with the ball moving yeah. can just tap it side foot it pleasantly into nestling yeah. into the into the bottom corner 
It makes no sense. Peak Ericsson for us, I think his best ever he got was three direct free kicks, right. goals mm. in a season. So I think there's a bit of expectation management we need to yeah, do here. Yeah, of course. So what I thought was interesting about it was, so the one we, he scored in Korea, um, I'd mentioned about the wall, kind of the dummy wall, and then jumping across and blocking the um, keeper's view. And we did that again. It wasn't quite as well organized this time. They mm. they weren't um, block, jumping as a unit across. Um, but it was something we did again. It's not something we did last season. So I'm pretty sure that is something that uh, VA has been working with them on. Yeah, just because we've got a, a set piece coach in, you know, I think as we, you know, we just again we discussed. I think it was when it was, it was us three on. It's, you know, it's about marginal differences. Mm. We're not going to see every. You know, we're not going to score a, a direct free kick every single game. We're not going to score from a corner every single game. What we're going to see is you know a slight improvement over our figures over the season. To and dare it's, you know, is and to that's do. Going, my make life. a difference. Right. To dare is to do. <laughs> to dare is to do and i and i wish what we dare to do is frankly tell harry to step off free kicks for a little bit and possibly let a few other players try them i mean we're t- i'm not looking for a direct uh, i don't care if it goes in d- directly or not maybe something a little different maybe something very but i'm sure they'll work it out anyway i i was just a little disappointed there is there is something different there and i think uh you know we've got one of the best in the business in there and mm. i'm sure that on the training ground they will be trying different things you know, as again as we, we you know we discussed before, there's a lot to cover in training, and you know they've got to squeeze in the set piece stuff probably into the margins of that. Um, I'm not particularly bothered about who takes them, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll see some variety over the season. I will be concerned if Harry Kane continues to take most of our set most of our free kicks. I have to be honest. So I think he's brilliant, but there are better skills. We will see what happens as the season goes. But again, I'd rather be missing them now and get them right in the season. So yeah, you know. Were you surprised at the feisty uh, nature uh, of this game and and severe to an extent? I mean, this game in particular, I made mention of it at the top of the of, of, of the segment. You know, there were some a lot of kicks. I mean, Sonny was getting really mistreated. I thought um, Harry getting kicked all over the place again. There were some knees off the ball, and finally, Christian Romero did what I considered to be the hero's thing and just decided to just clean out Tammy Abraham after fifty minutes and just say, "Enough, this is not going to happen." That was a clean tackle, wasn't it? It was, but it was thunderous. Yeah. But he was probably quite lucky to, uh, in the end, he was probably quite lucky to have um, remain on the pitch because he nearly got into it on several occasions. Yeah, um, he was pretty aggressive. So I don't um, think Romero understands the term friendly, which I think is brilliant. Well, I think he was. Play- I think he was playing up to what was being given. In fairness, yeah, yeah, no, totally, yeah. But I love, I love that he, you know, that that kind of he he plays he he, he plays up to it, you know, and he and he kind he kind of takes the line it very the- well. Yeah, yeah. And he walks the line very well. Once he's there, he knows how to walk it. I mean, he's very good at yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, all of our preseason games, well, certainly, you know, since like the ones against kind of established sides have been pretty feisty. Um, you know, Severe was, um, you know, was, was pretty aggressive. Rangers last weekend, there was, you know, some pretty heavy challenges going in there. So it's been a, it's been a consistent um, theme through preseason. I don't think it's something that we planned for, but I mean, Davis is the only player who's sustained an injury and he was fit enough to be on the bench so um i think it's paid off from that point of view and i think it probably gets us you know gets us ready for the for the beginning of the season so um you know i'm not too worried about it i think the thing with roma you know when we looked at rangers last week uh you know they were a week ahead of us in terms of their preparation uh the italian league starts a week after the premier league so Serie A starts a week after the premier league so roma are a week behind us um but they were very committed as you said but we committed more fouls than they did. Um, it was 13-10 mm. 
um, us to them. So uh, I think we've got the same number of bookings. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you maybe notice the fouls on your players more than the ones that um, <laughs> you're dishing out. Perhaps. And- I thought there was also. I thought there were also a lot of fouls that the referee wasn't noticing. But we've already touched yeah, on the referee yeah, and how yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the referee was was was, was definitely very, uh, poor mm. um, and probably poor for both sides. I'm not trying to claim any any higher ground on that, but he was poor in general. Um, let's talk about one Roma player that does have a sort of a Venn diagram crossover with us right now, and that is Nicola Zaniolo. Um, heavily linked. Uh, the links have not died down since the game. As, you know, depending on what gossip thread you read, it's closer than ever, or the, you know the talks are higher up. What do we make of this player? Uh, it looks like we will move players out. It looks like we are going to do some more business subsequently before the window ends. What did you think of him? I mean, in this game, I wasn't particularly impressed. I thought he was okay, but not much more than that. Um, I don't think he's what we need. And personally, I'd be surprised if we signed him. I, I don't really have anything different to add to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with him. I thought he, he was he was a bit quiet and I don't, I'm not I'm not quite sure where, not, not where he would fit in, but who who he's usurping. I mean, he'd be usurping Mora as... Decky's understudy, wouldn't he? That's mm. what he'd be doing. But then I think that goes back to what you guys were discussing in last week's pod. Like for me, I, I agreed with. I can't remember who said it. I, I think Madison would be if we, if we were in for Madison, he would be the better option purely on the um, the fact that you know he's he's already proven in the league, and um, and I think he 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 hit the ground running quicker with us. Um, do you think um, that that's based on the fact that we, uh, the three of us here right now, would rather see a Madison-type player at the club, whereas Conte seems to favour units like Zaniolo more? I mean, Madison's not small. I mean, Madison's a big, big lad as well. I mean, he's not, you know, maybe not a brute force player, but he's not small, is he? Personally, I think you, we don't need another battering round. We need another key. Right. Mm. And, uh, and you know, particularly, you know, if you look at the Roma game yesterday and, you know, Southampton coming up this weekend – you know, we, we saw them sit back against us and make it very difficult last yeah. season. I think we're going to see that, you know, and as we get a better team, you know, as we're a better side and we're performing better, more and more teams are going to do that. Yeah, I agree and with what that, I would like to sure. see is a little bit of variety and a couple of different options so that if it's not working, we can change it up and we can um, you know, give teams something to think about. And Madison, as a player who's, you know, he's got a good shot on him, he's, an, he's, you know, he's a good passer of the ball, you know, he's predominantly going to play on the left-hand side rather than the right-hand side. But what that would give you the option of doing is if a team's sitting back and, you know, if we start, you know, Sun, Kane and, and Decky, which is probably, you know, I think we'd all agree is our first choice front three. Um, it would give you the option of, uh, you know, if that's not working, you could bring Madison on for Sun. And then you've got a passer on the left-hand side and the, the defenders on that side have got something different to think about rather than the players trying to run at them and get through them. You know, and potentially you could bring on Richarlison onto the, onto the right-hand side and then, you, and then you've got a similar a range of skills. I mean, I think I'm probably under, you know, underselling Decky a bit there because Decky is actually very good running with the ball as well, but he's got that nice range of passing and he can find a, a, a through ball, which you know isn't really Sun's game, isn't really Richarlison's game. And you could just switch it up, and you can make you can you can give the defender something different to think about. And I think the problem with Zaniola is that he, to me, he he feels a bit like Mora, a bigger Mora, and that's not really. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think Richarlison I think can I, be a I bigger think, Mora. 
I think we're all in it. Well, I, I mean, I think Richardson's a lot more than that, but I know what you're saying. I mean, I think... I, I'm sorry, I, I know that. I'd say I, I don't want to damn him with faint praise, but, you know, in terms of being big and being able to run at people and, and close control, he can do all of that kind of stuff. That's what I mean. I think the interesting thing will be, and look, I, I'll, I'll put my head on the block here. I do think we are going to sign uh, a player of that nature, uh, albeit uh, probably one of the players that we keep on getting linked to that we didn't talk about in the transfer rumours that we're kind of talking about now. Um, I think what will be interesting will be if uh, it would be if Antonio agrees with everything you've just said about uh, Madison. I, I, I certainly don't disagree. I think it would be nice to have him as an option, albeit I'd like to try him in a slightly different shape, which we know that Antonio is probably not going to do. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, but the rumours are strong on Zaniolo. And uh, like yourselves, I thought, well, he was okay. But again, it does seem much of muchness <laughs> and, yeah. and actually not really as much as what we've already got there. So it would seem like another body for a lot of money rather than a really genuine extra option for a lot of money. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. Um, let me, uh, yeah, let me just ask you now. Let's wrap up this preseason uh, and look. We've played all our games. Um, you know what? What did you learn from all four preseason games as a whole? I think I think we're close to what Conte wants. I think we're very close. You know, for what he expects. Um, I think each game had its, uh, had, you know, all the games had that had uh, had individual merits um, for what we needed and the test that we face. Um, I think I think we're there. I think I think we're we're ready. We're ready to really kind of go for it in, um, uh, for this season uh, on you know on on, on all fronts. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know who who he ends up kind of the the, the settlers because I think there's there's a few positions where you know obviously we will rotate, but um, mm. but I think that it'll be interesting to see who there, there will obviously there will as there always is with any club or yeah. any team there's Who's always a first 11 be. yeah exactly yeah but um but yeah i'm feeling pretty optimistic about it i think we've learned that we can mix it up we can be tough we can be creative um we can be patient um you know and, and i didn't see a lot of horrendous mistakes <laughs> in this preseason, which is which is great again i hope we're not saving that for the <laughs> for the season <laughs> but um but yeah you know and, and that's always promising as well you know there was uh we were we were working well as a, as a team i think that pre-season's mainly been about him rebuilding the team mentally mm. and i think he's been trying to push them physically so that when they're in a game situation they kind of believe in each other and they believe in themselves more so you know, when we've seen the kind of the kind of run to you puke stuff in South Korea, that's not. I don't think that's necessarily about fitness because there's plenty of other ways you could do that. I think that's about kind of pushing players to the limits and then um, so that they, you know, about belief and trust and things like that. So, I think we've, a lot of that, as a lot of the preseason's been about that. And if you know, we were talking about kind of the feisty nature of some of our games. I think that's also um, kind of an element of that. And um, I think you know, we would all recognise that there's been a bit of a soft kind of underbelly to our team at points in the past. And I think, you know, it's about Conte kind of rebuilding the team in his own image. And from that point of view, it seems quite successful to me. Pound for pound, what I was thinking is is exactly that. It, this is him uh, spending a pre- full preseason, by the way, uh, which is very important mm. to him and always has been, uh, you know, making sure that everyone understands what the identity of this club is, what the identity of this mm. team is, what the expectations are going to be and how it is going to be. Um, and and it, in, in, in many ways, it was extraordinarily simple. 
it seemed to me what he was doing mm. and extraordinarily basic in a sense but it was the best sort of basic and uh, yeah I, I i'm it, in terms of what you said about mistakes there ram and the lack of them that was uh, i hadn't actually thought about that until you said it it's alarming how few stupid mistakes there were i mean we're actually we, you know we spent 10 minutes talking about that that corner uh, you know the roma mm. corner that's quite Probably something it, isn't it i mean yeah, that's yeah. really the way you want it to be yeah, and and those yeah. last two games, well, not Rangers, sorry, uh, Sevilla and Roma, which were obviously the second and fourth games. Those were those felt like you those felt like Europa League games to me. Mm. They were played with intensity and 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 yeah, so so very well observed, I think. You know, and yes, I think we all we're all in agreement on that that it's Antonio making sure we know what what the wave is going to be, and we've got the players in. We've got the players in early. Yes. So, you know, that's such a difference to now. Yeah. Normally in the preseason, we're, we're still wondering who's coming in, who's coming in to replace yeah. this person, who's going out so that we can bring this person in, whereas we're a settled team. I've, I've seen a little bit of criticism online about um, kind of a lack of star signings. and oh. um, But I don't, think that's, I don't think that's what we've been looking to do. And, yeah, I think our first 11 on the whole is pretty good. And, you know, what we've lacked and, you know, we spoke a lot about last season was a lot lack of options on the bench, a lack of rotation options. And, you know, what we've done is we brought in players who we can, um, you know, swap in and out mm. with, you know, negligible difference on the quality of the team. I think probably the only area where we maybe haven't done that is right wing back. And that was one of our priority areas. And it is one of the areas where we've got the most depth but it's not obvious yet as to whether we've improved it i think mm. spence I, I like spence i think he's a player with a lot of promise if i was going to place a bet i would say he's probably the right wing back who'll play the most games this season but that's a punt at this point because it could very easily end up the complete opposite way and if it doesn't work out we're left with doherty and royale who you know we all like their cult heroes their triers but we also know that there's limitations with them and um, so I think, you know, if you look at the window to date, that's probably the area where you'd say, mm, you know, that's that's the one where it's this question marks over. Going back to this star signing stuff, which I mean, you talk about <laughs> like modern football man or whatever. I mean, that's football man. That's football bloke. Of course it, it is. You know, that's I mean, it's just I mean, and, and, and if you want to look at star signings, I mean, the players we signed in January have since become star signings. Yeah. I mean. You know, I, I, it, it, it's, no, no, I know you agree. I mean, I'm just, I'm just re-emphasizing that point. It's ridiculous. People who say that just obviously aren't paying attention. Is Perisic uh, not a star signing? Well, he is signing. in my eyes. So. No, it's a, that's a very good point. But you know, yeah. I mean, I think I don't know who. Not, not actually, that it matters. Great, no, it's a but, good question. Yeah. What is what? I mean, I, it's interesting you bring this up. I mean, would someone have said, "Well, we should have signed Jesus when we had the chance"? I mean, yeah. what would the point be? in Gabriel mm. Jesus when every other club in, in, in premiership and actually in world football is trying to catch up with having a Kane and son. That's all anyone is trying to do. Mm. We've already got, we've already got two, two <laughs> best strikes. I mean, just so people have to see what the signings are about, not just the name. Mm. What I do love about the way we've done our transfer business and the way that we are doing it and the way that the club is being run is we're signing players that make sense for what we're doing. Not that makes sense for our, uh, you know, knee jerky support base. And uh, that that's certainly been a really, a really great change. And I think it's a really good thing to see. So, yeah. you know, at, at long, long may it continue. Uh, very good indeed. Um, yeah. I think generally speaking, we, uh, we can, we can move on from the preseason to the season preview, which I mean, I suppose it's all sorts of becomes the same thing. I mean, you know, you know, as we look at the season ahead, I mean, you know, the simple question, chaps, how, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about the season that we're about to start? I'm optimistic. 
I think that where um where where we ended up towards the end of last season, especially the second half of the season, you could see what the plan was and you could see where we were going. And I think all we've done since then is level up. And I don't just mean level up on onto the next rung. Mm-hmm. I think we've made like four or five like rungs up. So I can only be excited about that. Um, I've just got to say, whenever I hear that phrase level up, I just shudder. I'm sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of like... <laughs> But I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, we um, we're we're in a position now where um, you know, well, we have to, we have to push on from here. And I think that I, I, I I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Um, and it's nice to have this feeling where I feel like we're going to go into games, a lot of games, expecting to win again. I feel the most optimistic I've felt since peak Poch. Um, which means I'm going into the season feeling the most optimistic I've felt in modern football, I think. That might be the most declarative statement you've ever made on this pod, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you be as affirmative as you were there. I love it. Um, and here comes the small print. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we've got a really strong squad. I think it's possibly the strongest squad we've had in the modern era. It's well matched to the manager. Our best players are in their peak years, apart from Romero, um, are in their peak years. And I think, you know, I think we've got a plan. I think we've got a, a way of beating teams. I think there's a couple of gaps that need to fill. But yeah, I think um, I'm very, very optimistic. And we've still got a kind of month of the transfer window left um, to kind of fine tune it and, and really, really get a team in that can challenge. I mean, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, my optimism has been to the point that uh, seeing as Pochi's name has come up, and I've said this in previous pods uh, over the last few weeks, I, for the, you know, I mean, we're mentioning him here, but it's not like I'm pining for him anymore. Mm. You know, we, we, we have we have the best manager we could possibly have right now, and yeah. I believe in him and I believe in what he's doing. Um, a word on uh, another word on the the transfer business and the way we're doing it. Uh, to me, it's not dissimilar to the way Liverpool have been behaving in the last few years mm-hmm. and the yeah. way that they sign players and who they sign and it's very strategic. And again, it's not always it's not about the name; it's about the fit for the squad per se. And so, you know, you think of Jota and you you also look at Nunes, who I, I have to say looks like uh, a really good signing. And I think uh, a sidestep, uh, I, I would back him to do better in this league than Haaland simply because I think Liverpool. Uh, are more attuned to playing with a player like him than Man City are the player like Haaland. But re- regardless of that, I think we're, we do, we're doing our business more like Liverpool do. And I think that's a, a really good thing. I think that's a, a really sound way to be working. Um, like yourself, Milo, I do think there are probably a couple of areas where, you know, in the ideal world, you would love that right wing back that we talked about, where, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> where you've got the the best of both players in one. You'd love to find one that can absolutely do everything. Um, But equally, I'm very, very happy that we're not going to rush. We are going to make that signing if it works. You know, maybe Jed Spence will be that signing. Yeah, I mean, ideally, having a clear, absolutely nailed on clear first choice and and Spence's second choice and and has got the chance to develop would would make us a lot stronger. If we could have a Perisic on the right, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and you know that again i think we look at the the the, the left center back slot as, uh, as as much as we love Jendal ben davis and uh and and you know we've uh, 
Longley has been eulogised in this pod. You know, I think we again agree if we could have got one of those two big names or if we could maybe could carve one out before the window, it'd be a great thing. But overall, you have to be very satisfied uh, with this, you know, with with how we're sitting going into this season. We do look very strong. And with that being said, you know, what should our target be? What should it be? Not what do you think it will be, because that is going to come up in a minute. What should our target be? Our target should be the title. Yeah, agreed. I, I'm not saying we'll win the title, Yeah, but I'm saying we should aim for the title. Yeah. Yes. I don't think he would do it any other way, would he? Yeah, exactly. He won't accept anything less. No. Anything other than top four is an absolute failure. Yeah. I and we should so. be aiming for the top. I, I, I agree. And and I think that's aiming for the top in in the hope that Chelsea and Man City shoot themselves in the foot because that happens sometimes. And I think, mm. you know, you touched on Holland um, earlier on and about his fit for the system. And, you know, he's an out-and-out striker and that's something City haven't had for a, a long time. Ages. And there's, there's a chance that it takes them a while or him a while to settle into that. And the, you know, that might leave an opportunity. Similarly, you know, Liverpool have had... You know, changes. They've got you know new players in their front line. They haven't strengthened in central midfield, so they've got an aging midfield there. Potentially, that can go wrong. That happens sometimes. I'm not saying that's what will happen, but if both of those teams misfire, there's potentially a chance there. And you know, we've got to put ourselves in a position that if that happens, we can capitalise. I think Chelsea most certainly look like the the club most likely to misfire simply because I think they've got an inexperienced person now handling their transfer dealings. And mm. we've discussed this before and we, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. But I think Chelsea misfiring on its own doesn't give us a shot at the title. And that's why I'm talking about City and Liverpool. You know, yeah. those are the yeah. if you're going to win yeah. the title, yeah, they're going to be going into the season as favourites. But I, I agree with what you're saying about Chelsea. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Um, I think um, since Tuchel's only been there, I think he's only brought in three players, which is yeah. remarkable in 18 months. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, they're, they're in a yeah. very funny position at the moment. Yeah, they are. And I think I, I could see, I, I, I could see two, um, Tuchel leaving before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think second, even second place is a very, if, if we're going to, if um, City and Liverpool stay as consistent as they have been, to get second mm-hmm. place, you, you have to get 90 plus points. So that's a big ask. It's, it's a big that's ask. That's a huge ask, you know. But, and we have, um, did you watch Charity Shield yesterday? I, I didn't actually. Either of you? Did either of you watch it? No. no. Well, I have to say it was, uh, it was, a, uh, it certainly gave you a window into, into how those two teams are going to play, quite obviously. And it was, it mm. was, it was quality stuff. I mean, I, I, I actually thought, Liverpool looked more cohesive, which is which is not a surprise. It always looks to me like Pep is not quite sure what his best eleven is, uh, and I, I couldn't help but think that Holland is going to add to those issues. And I, I look, I say this every season about Man City that I think they're going to have a wobble, and the truth is, the only time they wobble seems to be against us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is the truth. They won the league last season, uh, and you know they're, they're very strong. I mean, so it's churlish to suggest that they will wobble, but. You know. And it's worth remembering how far behind they were when they came back into it. Yep. Yeah, let's face it, at yes. Christmas or New Year, yep. the title was Liverpool's. Yes. And to pull that back against a good team like that is very, very difficult and reflects on the side and the manager. And, you know, Grealish will probably fit fit in better this season. He's had a season. And again, we're all just hinging on the hopes that Holland takes that season to bed in as well. Because, you know, unfortunately, if Holland beds in any quicker, it could be uh, it could be ugly for everyone around but mm. anyway um should we just go to predictions should we just get on with it should we put our heads on the let's, block here go on then. let's do it and all right 
Uh, Do you want me to police what you actually said when we filled this in, or are we going to? Um... <laughs> I mean, in my case, I think you should. Yeah, I think you my... should for me because well, I can't well, remember. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I only I did... did it yesterday, but <laughs> my, my mind keeps on changing all the time. Um, yeah. So you know, it, actually, in the spirit of hogging the mic, I'm going to go first. I'm going to let someone else be last. So is that all right? Does anyone okay. mind? Yeah, no, yeah. The... Go for it. What I have got is I've got the predictions from everyone on the pod and also a load of our listeners as well. So um, not only us three putting our heads on the block, but um, but so is everyone else who's on the pod and so are our listeners. So uh, yeah. we can see who does best come the end of we the season. We can also see who convinces themselves at the end of the season that they didn't actually say what they're about to say now. <laughs> which is almost me speaking about myself in the third person, but which is wanky, <laughs> which is always the wankiest thing you can do. Right. Come on, Steph. Who's going to win the Premier League? Right. Uh, I am duty bound to say Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, but realistically, I say Liverpool. So for the, for the record, yeah. what he's put down in his witness statement is Spurs. <laughs> but it's actually going to be Liverpool. Liverpool are the sensible choice. Spurs are my Lemonora choice. Who will win the FA Cup? We will win the FA Cup. So at this point, we're doing the double if I go with my heart, but it's going to be us. <laughs> on your on your questionnaire, you put Man City. Well done. Who will win the League Cup? Let's see if you can remember who, who you said that. <laughs> well, I'm going to say it's Aston Villa. Okay. Previously, you said West Ham. So oh, I well, think you like, uh, David, I think you like the... David Cameron, where he couldn't remember whether he supported West Ham or uh, Aston Villa. It was just some team in, in Claret and Blue. Do you want to have a stab at Burnley? <laughs> I, I was thinking about it, but I couldn't remember them in time. That'll happen. Port if Claret. you ask me in a week or so, I'll come up with Burnley. I'll come up with that. So someone in Claret and Blue. <laughs> come <yeah>? on. <laughs> chim chimney, chim chimney. Okay. Champions League? Uh, I'm going to go Man City. Oh, you've managed to remember one. There we go. That's what you had down. <laughs> and relegated. Well, this will be interesting. I nearly made it a triple B, I have to say, and added Brighton, because if they lose Cucurella, I think they could be in trouble. But I'm going to stick with Bournemouth, Brentford and Fulham are my choices. I think Brentford, sadly, um, are really going to miss Ericsson. I think they so might end up when I When I asked you earlier in the week, you said Bournemouth, Fulham and Leicester. Uh, I, I must admit, can I be honest? I'll be really honest. I'll, yeah. I'll I won't tell our listeners this. I'll just tell the three of you. That's probably because I really, really despise Brendan Rodgers for some irrational reason and would really love to see Leicester get relegated just because of the wanky way in which they won the title and everyone let them win it. So that was probably me being just a bit of a knob. Uh, in fairness. <laughs> so, sorry, so you were going Bournemouth, Fulham and... Bournemouth, Fulham and Brentford. I, I sadly am going to... I'm putting Brentford yeah. down. I just think, unfortunately, it might be a little bit too much for them this year. So that's me. That's me. Obviously, the loss of Ericsson, I think, is big for them. I think that he was quite instrumental in, in keeping them up, and they had a, quite a poor run of form, didn't they, yes. for a little while coming into that. And Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then Premier League top scorer? The one and only Harry Kane. I think he looks, I mean, he looks like he's well up for it, and he looks fitter than ever, and uh, mm. I just, you know, he just looks ready for it, doesn't he? Ram, okay. your um, test of memory skills. <laughs> oh, God. So where will Spurs finish? Second. Who will win the Premier League? Man City. I think Liverpool will wobble. Uh, FA Cup? I think I put Chelsea. And I, I think Did Chelsea, because they will they just win something, don't they? League don't Cup? Know. Right. I think I put Liverpool, but yes. I'm, I, I was torn between Liverpool and United because I think United as well, for some inane reason, could win, end up winning a cup. So you I'm, think I'm Eric Ten Months is going to pull off a trophy? I think he. I think it's early enough in the season that he could, and that there's few enough games that they've got they could do it. But I'm going to stick with Liverpool. But I think United are like my 
second choice. Your second favourite team this season, no, did you say? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Champions League? City. Agree with Steph. I think it's their year. You're forgetting that, that Pepper overthink the final. and <laughs> <laughs> He'll basil faulty it again, won't he? Play Holland in central central midfield. They've, they've yeah, as a, a defensive midfielder, and it's got to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just the odds. Um, and three clubs relegated. Uh, did I put? I think I put Notts Forest. I think yeah. they'll go straight back down. Did I put Brentford? No. Okay. Uh, Notts Forest <laughs> Leeds. Yes. Who did I put? Did I put Bournemouth? Uh, no, the biggest club on the south coast, Southampton. Yeah. Yes. Wow, you put South Coast Big Club for relegation. Yeah, yeah, I did, cool. yeah. Although Didn't I'm it? thinking now maybe I Brent again, uh Brentford was my other choice and I'm thinking now maybe maybe Brentford. But I'll stick with Southampton just because I think I think they're gonna I think they might implode as well. I think I think mm. Fulham will stay up because they were so strong in the championship. If they if they carry on in that vein, I think they can stay up and possibly do a Brentford in inverted commas. But um but I think Notts Forest will go down. I think Leeds. I, th- I think they'll they'll just they'll be like uh, you know. I think uh, they'll just carry on how they were you know towards like the end of last season. Um, Ooh, I'm not so uh, sure about that, but but yeah. And Premier League's top scorer Kane. Yeah. So and, I've and can I ask? No, no, you don't get to read them oh. out. Uh, Ram, <laughs> would you do us the honors? Would you? Would you? Would you? Quote unquote pseudo interview uh, Milo as to this? I will. Would you? Would you read the categories out? And would you? Um, I shall. Procure the answers from him, so as he, he has to answer. The answers to... he can't see. <laughs> can you not? Can you not see? You don't have this. I can't. No, unfortunately. No. Oh well, what a shame. Yeah. I'll have to do yeah. it then. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Very good. Okay. <clears throat> Milo, no prevaricating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Premier League winners, please. Who's going to win the league? The first. That's not the first question. The first question is where will Spurs finish? <laughs> We'll Milo, do you seconds. just want to interview yourself? No, I'm yeah. not letting that happen. Uh, this, this is a... <laughs> okay. Where will we finish? Second. Premier League winners. City. Which one? Man. Manchester City. Why can't you just say Man mm. City? Just say it like a normal oh. person. Don't break it up. Goodness gracious. Okay. Champions League winners. Uh, hang on, it's in a different order now. Is it? Um, yeah. So we've gone FA Cup. So uh, well, Champions League winners. I've gone Barcelona. Okay. Ooh. FA Cup winners. Uh, FA Cup winners, Liverpool. League Cup winners? City. Uh, Manchester. For, Thank you. For the pedants amongst us. the slower kids in the class. No, for the, no, not for the slower kids. For the people who like to do things properly. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> pedantry is uh, under-respected in this pod, apparently. Uh, relegated from the Premier League? Uh, Forest, Bournemouth and Fulham. So and, straight straight back down. And the, well, the three for, You really think three for three? You don't think any of them are good enough yeah. to stay up? Okay. No. Uh, and the highest Premier League goal scorer will be Kane. The only name that doesn't need first and last because we all know there is only one, right? There's only one Kane. Yeah. And he's going to be the highest Premier League goal scorer. Okay. Well, there we are. You are keeping a record. I want to hear everyone else's. Do, do, do you want to hear the uh, co podders? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So Gareth thinks we'll finish second. That's mm. uncharacteristically optimistic, for Gareth, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? That's about to say, that is bottom. a little. Goodness, very good. <laughs> Um, he thinks Liverpool will win the title. He thinks we'll win the FA Cup. Wow. He thinks City will win the League Cup. He thinks City will win the Champions League. And he thinks that Forest, Fulham and Southampton will go down. Ooh. And that Holland will be the Premier League top scorer. 
Wow. So I so so we agree on three things. That's unbelievable. Okay. Did he have a top score? Oh, he said Holland was top scorer. That's right. You Holland, said yeah. James thinks we'll finish third. He's got City for the title. That's Manchester City, Steph. Thank you. Um, he thinks we'll win the FA Cup. He thinks City will win the League Cup. He thinks City will win the Champions League. It's got quite a season for Pep. Mm. And he thinks that Forrest, Fulham and Everton will go down. And he's got Holland as the top scorer in the league as well. Mm. Ricky thinks Spurs will finish fourth. Mm. I think we've got to talk about Ricky's future on this podcast. Yeah. I think we've got to ask whether, whether he and Gareth had a chat beforehand and thought they'd do a bit of role-playing here. Yeah. So, so they sw- Swap put phones. each other's names in. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, he thinks City will win the Premier League. Mm. He thinks Liverpool will win the FA Cup. Mm. He thinks Spurs will win the League Cup. Mm-hmm. He thinks Man City will win the Champions League. Yeah. And he thinks that Fulham, Everton and Leeds will go down. Everton and Leeds in the same season. That would be a bit Harry of a shock, Kane wouldn't it? Will that, be, that would be big. He said Kane for top I scorer? Take top, top scorer. I think, I think Everton may well be bottom of the league come the World Cup, but I think they'll sack Lampard and they'll, um, they'll have that, enough to get away from it. That was my thinking like, as well, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Armour thinks Spurs will finish second, thinks Man City will win the league, thinks Spurs will win the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. thinks Liverpool in the League Cup. Fancies Real Madrid for the Champions League. Pushing the boat out on that one, by the way. I have to say, sorry to cut you off, but that was a, that was a daring guess. Uh, for, for... <laughs> thinks Forrest, Bournemouth and Fulham for the relegation and Kane as top scorer. So have we all... Uh, is everyone mentioned Fulham? No, one of us didn't mention Fulham, right? Me, oh, I didn't I... mention Fulham. Wow. I said Southampton, Forrest and Leeds. If we want us collectively... The kind of the average has got Spurs finishing second. This is us collectively. Mm-hmm. Spurs finishing second. City winning the Premier League. Spurs winning the FA Cup. Man City winning the League Cup. Man City winning the Champions League. And we've yeah collectively we've got Forest, Bournemouth, and Fulham going down. That's the kind of wow. who the most votes were. Uh, one vote for Leicester. Um, and then we're split between seventy one percent Kane. 28%. What's very interesting is none of us mentioned Sonny. Well, do you want want to find out what our listeners think? Because they probably know more about all this than we do. So um, our listeners say 53.6% of them think we'll finish third, um, but all of them think we'll finish in the top four. So um, second most popular is on 21%, 21 21.4% was um, finishing first. 14.3 14.3 on fourth and uh, 10.7 on second. Um, Man City for the Premier League is the most popular choice. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs, say the other ones, uh, sorry, in order. So Spurs, Liverpool and then Chelsea. FA Cup, Spurs, 60.7%. Um, and then after that, you've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. Uh, where are we? Who cares? West Ham, <laughs> Are those, are those the same? I, I, did, I love that. Who cares is above yeah, West Ham. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Uh, for the League Cup, Man City. I think Who cares gets a vote in here as well. Spurs are second. Uh, Liverpool, and there's quite a bit scattered gun after that. I think some, someone, I think, got two votes for Arsenal. We have to find out who they were and mm. see if we can block them from listening to the podcast. Um, Champions League, City. This is a real. So City, Liverpool. Uh, Spurs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then kind of lesser you know, PSG, a couple for PSG, couple for Real Madrid. Um, and then in terms of relegation, the top three for that were Bournemouth, Fulham, and Leeds from our listeners, mm. with Forest as the kind of fourth choice. 
Um, and uh, one vote for Liverpool and one vote for Arsenal. I think the Liverpool one says uh, they they finally get caught out for um, for the asthma inhalers and uh, what have you, and uh, and they get docked. How many points do they get docked? Uh, anyway, yeah, they get docked loads of points. So that's that's why they're going down. And then top scorer Harry Kane on seventy one point four percent, Holland on twenty one point four percent, Sunny and uh, and Nunes the other two other two votes there. Nice. So not too far away from us. Yeah, it's fairly consistent across the board. Yeah. Just to wrap, I mean, it's fascinating, and I I, I look forward to seeing how um, accurate I'm being positive when I say that our predictions mm. are <laughs> at the end of the we, season. We've got the receipts. We'll we'll, we'll come back and <laughs> I'm going um, to keep we'll, my we'll... notes as well, just so as I can hold myself accountable for just how absolutely crap and I've been uh, <laughs> with this. Uh, you know. Um, but I, just just one final dreamer question here. I've got to ask this before I say goodbye to you, chaps. Has any of you have any of you dared to check out a flight hotel package to uh, to Turkey <laughs> next early summer? No, no. <laughs> if I told if I told both of you that I couldn't help myself and that I've already like done the trip in my head once, would you be surprised? No, no. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much, chaps. It's been a lot. It's been good. It's been a lot of fun. This one. It's been great. Uh, and uh, we're, hey, well, we're back next week. Uh, no more. No more dress rehearsals. No more vomiting in preseason. All that. It's the real thing. It's the real deal. We'll be back to tell you all about our opening game against Southampton again. Thanks, chaps. Cheers, Cheers Steph. Steph. Thank you. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Please do subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, and have a good time all of the time, which I like. That's a nice thing to say, and I, I absolutely. And as always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. <laughs>